Everyone, welcome to our service. Good to see everybody here. And uh, good to have the Douglas' uh, son and uh, wife visiting with us today. Certainly enjoy to see you all here. And others that are visiting perhaps around the room we might have missed. But good to have everyone here this morning and thankful for what God is doing. Let's take a hymnal, if you will, turn to number 483. Number 483, Oh, How I Love Jesus Because He First Loved Me. And uh, let's stand together if you're able to. We'll sing all four verses this morning. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing its word. It sounds like music in my ear, the sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me, it tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me, it tells me what my Father hath in store for every day. And though I tread a darksome path, yield sunshine all the way. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me, it tells of one whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe, who in each sorrow bears a part. Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Oh, how I love Jesus! Because He first loved me. I love that last verse. talks about whose loving heart can feel my deepest woe. And I think of the verse, the Bible talks about the fact that we do not have a Savior who's not touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows the pain. He knows the sorrow. And loves us in spite of it. He, he continues to support and comfort and give grace where it's needed. And I don't know about you all, but I'm thankful that when I go through some of the darkest days... Uh, that he's there. What a great, great Savior. Uh, I was in college one time. We had a, a fellow come through preaching. I don't even remember who it was. And, he, and I remember his message was, there ain't nobody like him. That was the title of the message. Ain't nobody like him. And bad grammar, but good theology. What a Savior. What a Savior. We thank the Lord for it. Good to see everybody here today. And uh, Brother Dan, I guess Miss Carmen, I think, had gone down with her sister. Is that right? Is there any further updates on Caleb? Or Okay. I see. Amen. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. So pray for them if you would. Also, Brother Everett is in acute rehab today uh, and has some ways to go, but we thank the Lord for the improvement and praise the Lord for that. So keep praying for him. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for the Lord's blessing on the service. 
Father, we pray that you'll bless all that we say and do here today, that it'll bring honor and glory to you. We thank you for the opportunity to meet together, to have fellowship with your people, and to sing songs that bring praise to you and cause our hearts to be drawn closer to you. We pray that you'll bless the preaching. And Lord, may your Holy Spirit have his way. And Lord, we ask that you would help us today. We need you. We don't need to hear what a man thinks about your word, but we need to hear your word. And I pray that you would illuminate it, help it to be easily uh, preached and easily heard. And then, Father, that we would take heed to it, not just listen to it or hear it, but that we would put it into practice in our lives. And so, Father, help us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, thank you. May be seated. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, Do keep these folks in prayer that we have mentioned. Also, next Sunday, we have a very, very important VBS meeting. So if you're uh, planning on helping with Vacation Bible School, plan next Sunday on being at that meeting. Uh, We are just a few weeks away now and have a lot of work to begin on. A week from this Monday, we'll be beginning work, uh, getting things decorated, getting the packets together. A lot of folks have already begun work and planning. And so uh, if you're helping with that, please mark your calendars and be here, if at all possible, next Sunday and help us with that. And uh, then it's good to have the McCormicks with us. And uh, Brother Cedric, Miss Tanya have been friends for mine for many, many years. And I've been traveling the country now for the last several years and helping churches with their music ministries. I'm going to have Brother Cedric share a little bit more about that with you. And he'll take time to um, introduce uh, his family. And they're going to sing for us this morning. And uh, Brother Cedric, we'll just give you whatever the Lord lays on your heart there. Amen. It is good to be in God's house this morning. Say amen. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus, oh, what a Savior. Amen. He is good to us. Amen. Precious Jesus, sweet rose of Sharon, there is peace and triumph when you speak His name. Loving Savior, my sunshine in the midnight, He's my guiding star that shineth all the to be your guiding star. Amen. I'm so thankful that the Lord loves us today. As pastor said, my name is Cedric. This is my wife, Tanya, and our son, Titus. And we are a missionary helps ministry working all around the country and over on foreign field helping churches with their music ministry. I believe that music is a vital part of our ministry. Amen. If it's the right kind of music in its right place, done the right way, music is not to entertain. Amen. It is not to perform. Say amen. And it's not just to fill a time slot, but music ought to prepare our heart for the preaching of God's Word. So we go into church plants and we help them start and establish music ministries teaching fellows how to flap their wings, working with instrumentalists, 
and helping choirs and helping musicians and singers and those kind of things. And we also go into churches that already have choirs, and we do what we call choir revivals. And that is simply what it says, just reviving the ministry of music through the choir ministry. So make sure you do stop back by there at our table at some point today, and make sure you get a prayer card. I tell everybody, bald lives matter. Say amen. <laughs> bald lives matter, so you get a prayer card and pray for bald people and the people who have to live with bald people. Amen. So you pray for us. And then we have some music back there and other things. Make sure if you do not have any of our CDs. Uh, I think we had our Lifeboat CD the last year when we were here. But if not, you'll make sure that you want to catch that. That is a tremendous CD. Uh, Titus is playing four different instruments on that CD, singing a solo and playing the piano. And then Tanya's got four solos on there. And they just let me sing because I'm good looking. Say amen. <laughs> Amen. We're going to sing a song called, Did I Mention? And, you know, it talks about the fact that our, our Savior has always been faithful. Aren't you glad that He's faithful to you? You know, we're not always faithful to Him, but I'm glad He's been faithful to me. And I know you're glad He's been faithful to you. Did I mention that I love Him? David sang the praises of the glory of Jehovah. Paul preached that all is lost, save knowing Christ. And little John said he is precious by leaning on his bosom so for a moment. May I humbly testify, did I mention that I love Him, how I worship and adore Him, when I can see no way He makes a Did I mention? 
Greg, could you give me just a little more of this monitor down here for me, please? Just a tiny bit. You know, we don't always thank the Lord like we ought to. I just want to tell Him thanks this morning for all He's done. He's been so good to us. Thank you, thank you. is going to sing a song. It's called, Didn't I Walk on the Water? I want you to think like this today as she sings this song. You know, many times in life we don't, or, or may I put it this way, we wonder and doubt and question, and Brother Greg, I'll use Titus's mic on the guitar there, but we doubt and question whether or not God is able to deliver us. Now, here's the truth. We know that He can, right? 
we know we can trust and we know that He's able, but many times we doubt. Here's where it is. We get ourselves in a mess and we say, Lord, can you really get me out of this? God, can you really perform? God, can you really do this for me? Because we look at things from a human perspective. And we only see what we can humanly see. But God knows everything. And God is more than capable of taking care of our problems. Say amen. God is more than capable of taking care of us. Say amen. How many times have you ever been in a financial problem, in a financial place, and God has just come through at the last moment? See, here's what I like. Now that I'm getting older, I'm getting to the point, Miss Evelyn, that I've got a little bit of history where I can look back behind me and see where God has taken care of me. And He's never failed me, not one time. So listen, if He can, if I've got that history and I see where He's taken care of me in the past, He didn't bring me this far to drop me now. Say amen. Hey, and if He can walk on the water, folks, He can certainly take care of you and I. Listen to this song, Didn't I Walk on the Water? As I kneel in the darkness In the middle of the night I'm praying for assurance That everything's going to be alright Lord, I see another battle Out in front of me And I'm afraid I won't be able And I'll go down in defeat And he said, do you remember Where I've brought you from If you'll take a look behind you Then you'll see how far you've come And every time you ask me Didn't I deliver you? So why would you be thinking That I wouldn't see you through? Didn't I walk on the water And I calmed the raging seas? I spoke to the winds And they hushed and I gave you peace Didn't I run to your rescue Didn't I hear you when you called I walked right beside you Just so you wouldn't fall Didn't I leave all of heaven Just to die for your sins I searched until I found you And I do it all again. Now she's talking to her father in a house that was once a home. She said, my bills are coming due, Lord, and six days is not that long. But then she hears the voice so still and low. He says, I've moved like this before. I will do this little thing, child, and I'll give you so much more. Because didn't I walk on the water and I calmed the raging sea? 
made you just so you wouldn't fall. Didn't I leave all of heaven just to die for your sins? I searched until I found you, and I do it all again. Didn't I leave all of heaven just to die for your sins? I searched until I found you, and I do. chapter number five. <clears throat> I'm so thankful for God's love this morning. I uh, was up early, early this morning, and um, I have uh, I enjoy the times that God gets real sweet in your heart when you're thinking about Him, and just uh, almost overwhelmingly so. And um, I was thinking this morning, and I love the story of <clears throat> of Peter and how how Christ loved him, and uh, we can we can kind of relate to him, can't we? Uh, Peter Peter was a, had a way of getting into messes. There were times he was unfaithful to the Lord Jesus Christ, wasn't he? Uh, in fact, the Lord told him he was going to deny him three times. Peter said, Nay, Lord, even unto death will I not deny thee. And yet he did, didn't he? And even though many times we are well-intentioned that we want to be faithful to the Lord, we fail him. And I, I fear that in the day that we live, a lot of times we may give the idea perhaps sometimes to this world that God is is a judgmental God that He's here to judge us and to punish us. And while God is a just God and He cannot tolerate sin, I'm thankful that He's also a loving God. And even though we sin, He's made a way of escape for us. He gives us the privilege to come to Him and ask for forgiveness. And you know what He's promised? That every time we do, He'll forgive us. Every time. In fact, He loved us so much that the Bible says while we were yet sinners. He didn't wait till we cleaned our lives up. While we were still sinners, He died for us. He died for us. That doesn't sound to me like a God who's vengeful and angry and just trying to get us. It sounds to me like a God who is a just God or He'd cease being God if He was not just. And while His, His justice demands a payment for sin... His love overcame that and provided the answer for that payment. You know, the Bible teaches us that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why He came. Somehow we get in our minds, and, and I say we do, the, the world seems to get in their minds that, that they don't want to have anything to do with God because God is a judge, judging God and ju God just reigns on their parade and cramps their style. 
while God certainly cannot tolerate an ungodly lifestyle, He certainly loves them enough that He's willing to do everything He can to save them short of forcing them to be saved. He sent His own Son to die so that man wouldn't have to go to hell when He, when he died. He, he paid that price for us. I don't know about you, but when I think about the love of God, it's kind of hard to contain that because the truth of the matter is not one of us sitting here today deserved to have Him love us. Not one of us. And yet He did. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I was thinking on that story of Peter. Three times he denies the Lord Jesus Christ. Three times. If I was Christ, if I was God, I'd look at that and say, look, three strikes, you're out. I went to college. We had a professor. Tanya knows who it is. Oh, Cedric does too. John Cash. If you misbehaved in his class, if you were cutting up or talking, he'd say, that's strike one. <laughs> you mess up again in his class, he'd say, that's strike two. And then he'd grin real big. He'd say, you know what happens on strike three? <laughs> And by that he was saying, you're out. Can I tell you this? Peter denied the Lord three times. And yet when he rose from the grave and he met Mary in the garden, he said, I want you to go tell my disciples and Peter. I love that story. A little later, they're fishing. The disciples are fishing. The Lord appears on the shore of Galilee and tells them to cast their nets on the other side. And as soon as the draught comes in, they know who he is. Peter jumps in the water and swims to shore. And while sitting there on the shore, as Jesus has prepared a meal from him, he goes to Peter and he says, Lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. And Jesus said, Feed my sheep. He asked him again, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And Peter said, Yea, Lord, thou knowest I love thee. He said, Go feed my lambs. And Jesus asked him again, said, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And this is what our Bible says. Aren't you glad it's perfect? The Bible says this, And it grieved him because he asked him the third time. You ever thought of that? Three times Peter denied the Lord Jesus Christ, and yet three times the Savior allowed Peter to express his great and undying love for the Savior. What a Savior. If I was God, I would have looked at Peter and said, Buddy, that was three strikes, you're out. Sorry. But not our Savior. By the way, there was a day when God looked down and saw Greg Boer. And I'm going to tell you right now, I denied God a lot more than Peter did. And some of you can give testimony to that. And yet he loved me. He loved me in spite of it. He gave me the privilege to put my faith in him. To trust Him for my salvation. I grew up in a pastor's home. 
I could have easily looked around and said, boy, my mom and dad didn't let me even look cross-eyed without getting a whooping. I've lived a good life. God, God owes it to me to get to heaven. But can I tell you this? I was as lost as anybody else. I was going to the same hell that everybody else was going to, and I'm thankful that there was a God who looked down, and even though I had failed Him over and over and over again, He looked down, and He said, I love you. And I'm going to pay your price, Greg. I'm going to, I'm going to take that. I'm going to, I'm going to bear that burden. I'm going, to, I'm going to take the pain and the shame and the suffering. And if you'll simply put your faith in me, you'll become one of mine. You'll be my child. You'll get to spend eternity with me in heaven. I'm thankful that we have a God that loved us enough that He did not make going to heaven hard. He made it very easy. And all oh, the love, the Bible or the song I wrote, that drew salvation's plan. All oh, the grace that brought it down to man. All oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. I'm thankful for that today. We live our lives so often without thinking of that. I think it'd do Christians well. I, I wonder if revival wouldn't be stirred in our hearts if we would think more on the love that God has given to us because the alternative would have been a place the Bible speaks of of torment. I've thought often of this, that both places, heaven and hell, are eternal places. They're not ones that have times where it ceases to be that. There are, there are not times that we go for a period of time and then we get out of it. And I say all that to say this, that I was, I was driving down the road yesterday with Brother Cedric and I, I had thought of something and, you know, I believe that we're, I personally believe we're living in the last moments of the last days. I firmly believe that. I, I, I feel like as Christians, we have fallen asleep and become very apathetic spiritually. And I'm not talking about our own spiritual life and our own spiritual growth, but, but follow me with this for a moment. When I read Fox's Book of Martyrs, or I read about the Dark Ages, and I read about the early church and the persecution, the martyrdom that came to those folks, and yet they had a zeal to serve God daily in the temple and from house to house. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Daily, they were talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. They, they, they couldn't help but talk about Him. They couldn't help. Even the shepherds that went to see the Lord at His birth, the Bible says they could not help but tell all the things that they had seen and heard. I tell you, we live in a day where even God's people have, have lost the overflowing joy of the Christian life to where it just bubbles out and comes out of us. I am burdened today. I was talking to Brother Cedric yesterday, and I said, you know, it seems like, I remember, I, I used a little deal, different illustration with him last night. I said, it seems like, you know, when you were kids and, and mom and dad left you at home for a period of time, and they said, we're going to come back in so, so, so much time, and when you get back, you know, the house is to be clean and everything's supposed to be ready. 
And you know how we were as kids. We, we put it off to the last second, didn't we? Let, let me bring it a little closer to home. Husbands, <laughs> your wife has to go out of town for a day or two, maybe to visit family or a sister or something like that. And they say, now when I get home, I expect the house to look like it did when I left. And you know how we are as men. We order the pizza and we throw the dishes in the sink and, you know, it piles up. The trash can gets full. And then all of a sudden, it, you look at the watch and, oh, i got to go to the airport and pick the wife up. I better get busy cleaning this house. Because the only thing worse than as a kid having your parents upset at you over a dirty house is being a husband having your wife upset at you over a dirty house. But we tend to procrastinate, don't we? We tend to put it off to the very end. And I told Brother Cedric last night, I said, when I look at life right now and where we're at, I said, it almost seems to me like God's people have been challenged by the Lord Jesus Christ throughout the history of mankind that we're to preach the gospel to every creature. And I think there was a time where there was a great zeal for that, where the, 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 the people that were saved were, were busy because they, they, they had it so full in their hearts and such joy of the salvation, they couldn't even help but speak of those things. But I believe that in the day that we live, we've acted a lot like these kids, waiting till the last moment. And here we are in these last moments of the last days, thinking, you know, the Lord Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. Now, we've always known it. But as we look at the events of this life and this world, we think, boy, we better hurry up and get busy. We've, we've got a lot to do right now. I looked up some, some statistics, and we, uh, at the time I did some statistics a few years ago, uh, these numbers that I have were the world population was about 6.8 million uh, billion people. Now we're at about 7.4, I think was the last number I heard, maybe 7.6 billion people on the earth. But, but even back then, I want to give you a few statistics here. This hour, while we're meeting here at this church, in the, in the, in the 60 minutes from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock, there's going to be 6,420 people that are going to die and go into eternity. 6,000 people. And I wonder how many were saved. In a 24-hour period, from this time yesterday morning, there were some people alive at 11.40 yesterday morning that are not alive right now. And in 24 hours, 154,000 people have died and gone off into eternity. Since this time last Sunday... 1,078,000 have died and gone off into eternity. And this time last year, 56 million people have died. If we take the numbers, let's just take some numbers locally, and what we consider to be a Christian nation, if we were to look at Jefferson County with about 160 or so thousand people in our county, and you were to take all of the Bible-preaching churches, I'm not talking about people who are exactly like we are, but churches that would at least preach a gospel message where a person could get saved. And you were to count all of those in attendance at those churches. We have not even reached 1% of our county today. If that holds true, folks, 
this 56 million people who died in the last 12 months, less than 1% of them have been saved. I say all that to say that we need to get busy. I don't know if you've had a friend or loved one that you knew was lost that passed away. I don't know about you. But folks, that ought to devastate us. Ephesians chapter 5. Let's look at verse number 14. Paul writes, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Notice this, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying, you know what, let's not be like these kids who wait till the last 20 minutes before mom and dad get home to clean up the house. Let's not be like the husband who, who waits till the last possible moment. Paul says, redeeming the time. Make every second count. We wake up in the morning and we go about our day. We ought to be praying throughout the day, Lord, send me an opportunity. Open a door for me to share the gospel with someone. Because in the next 24 hours, over 100,000 people are going to perish and go off into eternity. And somebody's got to reach them. Verse number 16 or 17, he says, Wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I tell you this, we need to, in God's people in this day and age, we need to have an awakening. We need to have a stirring and a sensitivity being created in our hearts that maybe has grown cold. A sensitivity to the leading of the Holy Spirit of God in our lives. To look for opportunities and to see people that need the gospel. To pray for God's aid and God's help as we share that gospel with them. That He would speak to the heart inwardly as we speak to the heart outwardly. God can do a great work. But we many times don't see the need. We, we, we all do it, don't we? We get busy. Our lives are busy. It's easy to get wrapped up in a day and not even give any thought to that. I'm not saying you can't have time for recreation. Uh, even the Lord Jesus Christ had moments where He had to get away and rest for a period. Can I tell you this, that even in His times of rest, I believe that men's souls were on His heart. Look with me, if you will, in the book of John, chapter number 4. John, chapter number 4. And verse number 35. Verse 34, Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish 
His work. By the way, can I stop there for just a moment and say this? God gave us a commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to how many people? Every creature, right? Every one of them. It was not His intent that sometime in the history of mankind that we reach all the people. It was His intent that in every generation, that generation reached everybody in the world at least once with the message of the gospel. And God will never give us a command that He does not enable us to do. The reason we fail at it is because we simply are not sensitive to Him. We're not soul conscious as we ought to be. We've grown apathetic. And as the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus, we need to awake. We need to awake. Verse number 35, he says, Say not ye there yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, and both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is the saying, True, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon ye bestowed no labor, and other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Let me give you a few things very quickly. Number one, I think you need to understand the importance of the work. The importance of the work. In Ephesians, we found chapter number 5, we had found that Paul said that we need to understand what is the will of the Lord. In John chapter number 4, we find in verse number 34 that, that Jesus says, My meat is to do the will of Him that sent me. Can I tell you this? The importance of the work is that the fields are ripe already unto harvest, and it is the will of the Lord that there be that there be laborers that are sent into the field to reach those that need to be reached with the gospel. The importance of the work there's there's an urgency and something that we've lost along the way. For some reason, we feel like we can just go to church and enjoy uh, the preaching and the teaching, and and I love the McCormicks and we enjoy their music and the time of fellowship here in a little bit in the fellowship hall. But can I tell you, the most important work that Keith Heights Baptist Church can do is to talk to somebody outside the walls of this church and share the gospel with them importance of the work because they're going to spend an eternity somewhere. I could not fathom if God would allow us to have our eyes opened even for a brief moment to peer into hell and understand exactly what's going on down there. But we do have a very good picture of it in Scripture when the Bible gave the story of the rich man and Lazarus. How the rich man died and was buried and the Bible says, in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment. Can I tell you this? That story took place a little over 2,000 years ago. And I, I often think of this thought. That that rich man is still there. The importance of the work. What about the neighbor? What about the, the, the fellow worker? What about the cashier? What about the, the people at the gas pump across from you? Are they saved? 
I think we need to be sensitive to God bringing about the opportunities to share the gospel. So often we get so consumed with the affairs of this life that we fail, we miss so many opportunities. So many opportunities. I want you to understand the importance of the work. I want you to understand the time of harvest. Say not you there are yet four months, then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already unto harvest. When did the Lord say this to His disciples? It's over 2,000 years ago. Can I tell you this, that if the harvest was ripe back then, and we are doing far less now than the early church did, can I tell you this, that the harvest is rotting on the vine? For there are not enough laborers, there are not enough people to do the work of God. It's not because God has quit calling. It's not because God has quit uh, giving responsibility to His children to take the light that has been given to them and share it with others. But it's simply because you and I many times have become so consumed with this life. In my lifetime, the advancement of technology and the things that so consume and vie for our attention have so overtaken our time. We don't ever have the, the, the thought to think, boy, there's a lost person next door. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago. One of the best benefits of this COVID thing is there was a, it was almost like God hit the pause on life for a, few, for a few weeks and allowed people to stay at home and to think, to meditate, to ponder. Because we've been so busy with life, we've not taken the time for it. time of harvest, if it was white 2,000 years ago and ready for harvest, can I tell you this? It is far more ready for harvest than it's ever been. The importance of the work, the time of harvest is now. Well, I've heard people say, one of these days when I get done with the career and my kids are grown and out of the house, then, then I'll give myself. I've heard young people say, well, when I get to be older, I get to be in college, or when I get to be on my own as an adult, then, then I'll start serving the Lord. The harvest is white now. It's ready now. There are souls that within the next hour, over 6,000 of them will go into an eternity somewhere. What have we done? What have we done to reach them? How much of our time, how much of our resources have we committed to reaching them? The most valuable commodity you and I have is our time. It represents the marking of our life. The Bible says that our life is a vapor that appeareth for a little while and vanisheth away. Can I tell you, whatever we're going to do for the Lord, we need to do now. Let's not wait. Let's not wait. Look with me, if you will, in Psalm 126. Psalm 126, verse number 5. The psalmist writes, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Can I tell you this, that 
one of the reasons I believe that we have not done all that we could to reach people with the gospel is because we are asleep and we have lost our vision for the lost. I'm reminded of a story, and I've shared this before, of the Good Samaritan, the man that was beaten and left half dead. The Bible says a priest came and passed by on the other side. Didn't want to be bothered. Didn't have time for him. Really didn't even have any concern for him. He saw it, turned his head, avoided him, walked on by, didn't even pause. And it didn't bother him. And by the way, that's the worst place a Christian can find himself. To see a lost person and know that they're undone and it not to bother us. To be in a place where we can be shoulder to shoulder with them and us not wonder, have they trusted Christ as their Savior? That priest didn't care. He wasn't concerned. Then a Levite comes along, another religious leader. The Bible says the Levite looked on him, and then he passed by on the other side. Something we find different in the Levite than we did in the priest is at least the Levite was concerned. He, he looked at it and said, boy, what a shame. And this is the type of person that would say, boy, I'll tell you, that person is, is in need. I hope somebody will help them. And then passed on. By the way, how many times have we seen a lost person and we've said or we've heard of a lost person and we've said, boy, I sure hope somebody will share the gospel with them. But then, then there was a Samaritan that came by. And I love what the Bible says. It says, and being moved with compassion. He took the man, bound up his wounds, put him on his own donkey, took him to an inn, told the man to take care of him, paid his bill. Why? Because he was moved with compassion. Can I say this, and I want to say it as kindly as I can, but I want to say it with a sense of urgency today, that we need to have a renewing of compassion for the lost. Something that will stir us to action. Not just Christians saying, boy, we sure are concerned for the lost. Let's, let's get together and have a prayer meeting for the lost. And I'm not saying not to pray for the lost. We ought to pray for the lost. Amen? But somewhere along the line, somebody's got to go tell them. Reminded of Isaiah chapter number 6 when God allows Isaiah to see him high and lifted up and his train filled the temple and Isaiah had that wonderful vision of God and Isaiah was humbled in God's presence and he said, Woe is me for I am a man of unclean lips. And God says after the angel had purified Isaiah's lips and allowed him to talk, God said, uh, Whom shall go for us and whom shall we send? You remember what Isaiah said? He said, Here am I. Send somebody else. Is that what your Bible says? No, it's not what mine said either. He said, here am I, send me. And yet today, as we sit here in 2020, we sit here many times saying, Lord, here am I. I'm faithful. I'll go to church. I'll be there for the preaching of God's Word. If the McCormicks are coming in or the Crows are coming in or... Brother Tully's coming in for revival. I'll be there. I'll be faithful. 
here am I. But Lord, when it comes to sending somebody, I, I just prefer you'd send somebody else. The reason we get that way is because we've lost our vision. We don't understand the eternality of hell. The constants of it. The psalmist says in verse number 5, Psalm 126, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Can I tell you, we need to have compassion again. We need to get to a place, and I, I was at a place, I told somebody here a few months ago, in my late 20s and early 30s, I went through a period of time, I was, I was busy serving in a church, I was working a lot of hours, I mean a lot of hours. I worked for my dad, and you know how that is, uh, you know, dads, it's one thing to be a staff person, when your dad is your boss, you do the staff person's job and the son's job. You do it all, and there's a lot of hours involved. And I'll be real frank with you. I got so wrapped up in doing the work of the ministry that I lost my sense of feeling. I remember back during that time, I would hear of people that, and, and terrible things that would happen to them, and I didn't feel anything for them. I wasn't burdened for them. I didn't, I didn't have the desire to pray for them. And I remember being in that situation and, and praying and asking God. And it wasn't that I wasn't spending time with God. I was. It just, I, I just didn't have that compassion. I didn't have that desire and that zeal. And I had gotten to the place where I, had, I was beyond feeling, it felt like, some ways. I remember praying for, for weeks and saying, Lord, give me my tears. I need my tears again. I've not shed a tear for anything. I mean, things that people are weeping for and crying over and pleading with you for. And here I am untouched and unmoved. <laughs> and boy, did He answer that prayer. Now I've been praying, Lord, help me to not have as many tears. But the truth is, we need to be so moved. Oh, we need to be moved. We need to be consumed with this idea that we who have been given so much, the forgiveness of God, His grace, His mercy, His long-suffering, we who have been given so much have so great a responsibility. Not because God can't do the work without us, but because He has chosen us by His will to accomplish His work in this world. Sowing tears is a sign of compassion for the lost. I tell you this, that we only get compassion as we begin to see the multitudes the way that the Lord Jesus Christ sees them. We need to have our eyes open. Notice in the, in the, in the story we read of the Lord Jesus Christ, He's talking about the harvest. He said, lift up your eyes unto the fields. That, that really seems to be our downfall today. Our eyes are everywhere else except on the harvest. Our eyes are on our hobbies, our work, social media, entertainment. And they're not on the lost. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10 and we'll be done.
I wish there was some way to do this type of a message justice, but the truth is I could preach as hard as I know how to preach. I could preach for as long as I could hold out physically preaching and still not express the urgency of this the way that it needs to be expressed. Look with me in Romans chapter number 10, verse number 14. How then shall they... Let's back at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. I'm not talking about pastoring. I don't believe Paul's speaking here of men who stand up behind the pulpits. I believe he's speaking to Christians saying we need to be preaching the gospel everywhere we go. I was talking to Brother Cedric yesterday. We've, we've made a concerted effort in the last year, year and a half here to teach some things that help reach certain people. Because the truth is the Bible tells us that we're to study, to show ourselves approved unto God workmen that need not to be ashamed. And the truth is, I, I shared with him yesterday, I said, you know, we'll, we'll spend years of our life training for a career, and then we'll spend more time with continuing education to advance in that career, to become the best that we possibly can at what we are doing. And then we won't give a nickel's worth of time to work and to labor in this book to become better at sharing the gospel with people. We don't work, we don't labor to become better workmen. Studying the Bible, knowing how to handle it well. Allowing there to be enough knowledge and workability of Scripture that when the Holy Spirit is using us to speak to somebody, He can bring passages and things to heart and to mind that will help that person see the need. But we cannot, we're hindering Him because we're not studying the Bible. We don't know the Bible well enough. We don't have a desire for it. We don't have the compassion. We've lost the vision of the lost. And Paul said, Awake thou that sleepest. We need to wake up. And I would ask you this. Could, could we find some time in the next day, maybe this afternoon, to get alone in a quiet place, away from family, away from distractions, and just spend a handful of minutes, however long God would let you do it, searching our hearts and trying to find out, Lord, do I have compassion on the lost? And if I don't, then give me my tears back. Help my heart to be broken again. Help me to see the urgency. 
Because, folks, we've been here now an hour. And 6,000 people plus have gone into eternity. What's going to happen in the next hour? Let's stand together, shall we, with heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, we're thankful for your word. I pray that you'll bless it and use it. Lord, a sobering thought. One that, to be honest with you, as a Christian, is not the kind of message we like to hear on a Sunday morning. Because, Lord, if anything, it brings grief to our hearts and sorrow to realize our failures. I'm thankful that, like as Peter failed you so often, you're still willing to say, Lovest thou me more than these? Then feed my sheep. That we would be a light unto this world. That we would go and tell those that need to hear the gospel. Lord, may we be sensitive to the leading of your Holy Spirit. May we be willing to be used as a vessel to take this word and share it everywhere we go to people that need to hear. Father, would you this morning stir our hearts? Would there be a renewing of zeal in our hearts to share the gospel? That when we look around at this world, we would see those that are lost and be moved with compassion for them. I pray that you'll bless the invitation. Lord, if there's someone here today that would say they're not saved, they don't know if they died right now. Maybe they've looked at you and said, Boy, I just, I don't really, I'm not interested in the things of God. He seems too, too judgmental, too harsh, too hard on me. Lord, can they understand and recognize today? Can you show them the great love wherewith you loved them? That you're not out to try to destroy them or condemn them. You're out to try to save them from the condemnation that they're already in. You've done everything for them. You've given your own son in their place. So they would not have to suffer that judgment. Lord, you could not do any more. Help them to see that love. Help them to come to you to accept You as their Savior and put their faith and trust in You. For Christians that are here today, may we be stirred again and afresh. May You awaken us. Bless the invitation we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads bowed, please, and eyes closed as the piano plays.